unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Raw and Unscripted Show, where I am your host, Christopher Roush, your no excuses coach. And this is the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Appreciate you guys being here with us tonight. This is episode 222. Now, I know some of you guys are number people and you kind of dig the 1111 or the 7 and 7, 7, whatever it is. So today is show number 222. If you get off on that kind of stuff, cool. I appreciate you guys for being here. Can't believe we've done 221 episodes here on the Raw and Unscripted show. And I'm so blessed and thank you. And I just want to start off the show by saying thank you so much to everybody all around the world for making the show in the top 15% of podcasts globally. I'm super proud. I'm not a big numbers person. I really don't gauge my success on how many followers or how many friends or how many likes or any of that shit that I have. I just go out there and I do the best I can to make the best possible product to help inspire you guys so that you can live an amazing life. And so when it was brought to my attention last year that my podcast was in the top 15% globally out of like 8 million podcasts, I don't even know the number, um, it did my heart good. And periodically I look at my stats and I noticed that we're in about 14 different countries now. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all my brothers and sisters around the world sharing this message, listening to this message tuning into the podcast or watching us here on the video but video cast this is what we do every single tuesday night at 7 p.m pacific standard time we come to you live i like doing it live that way i can take your your questions and we can we can have some interaction with the guest and, and leave you with the feeling that you have the opportunity to go out there and make changes in your life now I don't want to sit there and put you on a track where it's going to take you 18 months to get your shit together. My goal in every single one of these episodes, or if I do a walk and talk video, or if I do a social media post, is there something there that you could take responsibility for yourself and start doing today? Because there is always something you can start doing today. I read a great book. It's called The Compound Principle. It was by Darren Hardy, uh, who used to be the editor of Success Magazine. And in there, he talks about like compound interest in the bank. You know, you put a hundred bucks in there and over time that hundred bucks starts to grow and that money starts to grow and that money starts to grow. And then before you know it, you have a couple thousand dollars in there just based on the fact that you put it in there and every single day you, you kept compounding on that effort. The same thing goes in your life. You know, whether you walk a block today and tomorrow you walk a block and a half and the next day you walk two blocks and the next day you walk two blocks and a half and you're just like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to train for a 5k. You will by taking that compound interest, ladies and gentlemen, every single day and every single way, getting up and having the frame and the mindset to say, listen, today I'm going to be a little bit better. I'm going to grow a little bit stronger today. I'm going to grow a little bit smarter. I'm going to let some of the stuff that's going in my life, let it go that's not serving me. When you start doing that and you're consistent about it, your life will change. There is no doubt about it. I wouldn't be sitting here as the future author of this book right here. It's just you and me, kid, a story of a mother and son survival on the streets of California. I would not be able to sit there and show you this book right now to say that it's coming out in probably about two or three months had I not implemented that. My coach asked me one time, she says, why are, why are you here? Why are, why are you coaching? What, what do you have to really teach people? And it all sums up. You guys see me wear my bracelets. I've got, I, got them, I wear them. So um, I just, people have asked me about these again. So the reason why is I always believed you have to believe. I believe every single day and every single way that I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm stretching myself and I'm allowing myself to really be genuinely who I am. And the other thing is I never gave myself any excuses. I never gave myself any excuses. And the last one it says on this one is unstoppable right? I just never stopped. I took imperfect actions, no excuses on the other side. You get, get these on my website, by the way, no excuses, coach.com forward slash shop. You can find them there. You can get them, but I never gave myself excuses and I still don't give myself any excuses. Uh, I've done a poor job lately of giving myself a place to rest. And uh, I know a few of you have reached out from my last broadcast where I did a solo show talking about the fact that I've had some medical situations happen unexpectedly over the last couple of weeks. And thank you for reaching out. I appreciate you guys. That's, that's super beautiful. Normally I'm not that very public with stuff like that. I mean, I'm very public with a lot of things. I haven't gone out on social media and went, Hey, look what happened. But I figure because you guys are here sharing the time with me on the Ron and scripted show that I would share my time with you and just let you know what I'm going through. Uh, so yeah, last, uh, a week ago, Sunday, uh, I wound myself up in the uh, emergency room because my blood, my blood pressure skyrocketed. It went like 217 over 114 and it just kept going up. It kept going up all day. And so fortunately I have some beautiful people in my life that won't let me 
not go to the hospital because I don't like going to hospitals, but I mean, who does, but I went to the hospital. I spent seven hours there. They did an EKG. They did blood enzymes and cardiac enzymes. They listened to my heart. They did an x-ray. They said, Chris, we don't know what's going on, but we want you to rest and take this blood pressure medication. And I'm sharing this with you because we have to be smart about our bodies. And because I'm one of those people that's like, no, I can tough it out. I'm unstoppable. Nothing's going to break me. I had to listen. I had to listen to my friends. One of my friend's husband is a, a surgeon. They're like, Chris, you need to go right now. This is going to be dangerous. And the fact that it kept climbing, I listened to my gut and I said, okay, let me go see what the professionals have to say. They really couldn't figure out what was causing it. So they gave me some blood pressure, pressure medication. And then uh, this last weekend, Saturday night, went out with my wife, had a beautiful time, went to a concert, had a great time, had some drinks, felt like it was 1989 again. Great time. Got back to the hotel early enough, had some water. I was really good. Fell asleep, woke up an hour later. And for the next 14 hours, I threw up my brains. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was food poisoning or what, but I was literally throwing up every 20 minutes to the point of 14 hours. I got one hour sleep. And I told my wife, I said, I think I need to go to the urgent care because I cannot keep even a sip of water down. And so combined with the blood pressure was up and the pulse rate was up and now I'm throwing up. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And I'm getting worried. I'm thinking, God, you know, is this liver cancer? Is this whatever? What's going on here? So I was smart and I went to the urgent care, asked them for some fluids. They ran some tests. They came back and said my bilirubin was high, which is one of your liver enzymes. They wouldn't let me go because my blood pressure was high. And I'm like, well, apparently I'm dehydrated. You just punched me, pump, pump me full of two liters of liquid. So um, they almost wouldn't let me go. I had to take two of their blood pressure medications because they were going to send me to the hospital. Um, and if I denied the medical request or the medical advice, then that would be a bad thing. So it was just crazy. Fortunately, the blood pressure came down. And then yesterday I went to the emergency room again because the emergency, the urgent care doctor was scared because my, my liver enzymes were too high. Plus my blood pressure was too high. So I went back to the emergency room and I have to tell you, I do not go to emergency rooms or urgent cares. I've never been to one in my life. I've taken people there, but I've never been there for myself. So here I am three times in seven days going there. And fortunately I got there. My bilirubin was fine. My liver enzymes are fine. My uh, ultrasound on my, my, uh, my liver was fine. No gallstones on my gallbladder. They thought I had my, had my, they were pretty sure my gallbladder had to be coming out. No, none of it, none of it. And I share this with you because we have to listen. We have to go have experts, you know, help us, but it's been an awakening for me because I realize unbeknownst to me, I take on a lot of stuff and I'm here to serve and I'm here to serve and I'm here to serve. But also at the same time, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take a step back from what it is that we're tolerating. And I share that with you because I want you to think about that. Write down on a piece of paper what you're tolerating from yourself, what you're tolerating from others, and what you're tolerating from inanimate objects in your life. And watch that list grow and sit there and look at it and think, what would be different about my life if I did not tolerate a third of these things anymore? How much different would my blood pressure be? How much more time would I have to exercise and eat better? I'm telling you guys, it can happen. It can happen to the best of us. I'm strong. I work out. I eat great. Normally I'm invincible and unstoppable, but something in my body was telling me, Chris, you got to fucking slow down. And so I share that with you. I'm coming honest and coming clean that uh, you need to do that too. So we need to do that. We need to be here for each other because we need to be here to make this world a great place, especially if we have kids and especially if we have a mission in this world to leave a legacy that we're gonna be proud of. And that's one of the things we're gonna be talking about here on the show tonight is we're gonna be talking about our mental health and making sure that we're able to be resilient as possibly as we can. We're gonna look at our triggers and look at and say, okay, what are the, some of the things that, that piss me off? What are some of the things that I react to? What are some of the things that potentially drive my blood pressure up or, or drive me to my short-term gratifications that cause me to lose track of what it is that I'm feeling that I'm doing. So with that, I'm, I'm super eager to welcome to the Ron and Scripted Show, my brother, Adam Duvall. What's up, Adam? Thank you for being here all the way over from the UK. What's going on? Thanks for having me, brother. I'm all right. Thanks. How are you? I'm glad to see you back up and running. Yeah, I'm back up and running. I sound a little hoarse. I think part of that was from screaming at a concert and then uh, throwing up stomach acid for 14 hours. My The guy, when I got to the urgent carry, says, your, vo your throat is really inflamed. And I said, what do you think? Throwing up stomach acid for 14 hours, you think that's going to that's gonna hurt a little? Yeah, some of these doctors and some of these medical professionals, they practice medicine, but I won't even go into that. They're good people. No. They help me out. I'm thankful for it. And now I'm on the mend and now I'm here talking to you. And I think that's an important segue. You are the creator and the, the podcast host for the Mental Health Warriors. You're very advocated in that. You've had your fair share of, of challenges in that space. Yeah. What got you started in wanting to be a voice for the change in the mental health scene? Um, experience straight away because obviously me uh, being brought up, obviously I'm still dealing with the trauma today. And um, 
obviously, I don't speak to my family anymore because of the abuse they put me through. All through the education, nothing but abuse and bullying to the point I thought, no, this can't happen anymore. And the wake-up call was 5th, uh, 18th of March 2019 when I actually attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that I just thought, no, that can't happen to me. I've got a purpose and I need to do something about that. So ever since, I've just thought, reach out and do what I need to do. Mm. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. Talk about some of that that abuse that you endured in your home. I know for me personally, I was physical. It was mental. I was abused in my house. I was abused by the kids on my street, my bullies. I was I was abused by the kids at school. I had no self-confidence and I just really just wanted to run and hide and just be quiet. Talk to us about how that impacted your childhood and it impacted your, your confidence as you were growing up. Well, it all started when I was three years old uh, to the point I, I couldn't ride a bike at that age. Oh, what kid could? Right. So um, I didn't learn until I was nine, uh, obviously because of dyspraxia, which obviously affects your physical coordination. And and that's when my own father, who I thought was a role model, decided, nah, I'm going to hit this guy, this little boy, because he couldn't ride a bike. So ever since I thought, no, that can't happen. And then ever since every day, bullied and beaten by my own brother's, uh, while my own mother just stood there and watched, um, all through the, the nursery, school, I was being bullied. I was being publicly humiliated because I admit, and for the first time ever, I'm going to admit that, through school, yeah, I did have accidents where I couldn't go to the toilet in time. I did. I think I, did, I think we all did. But but that was that was just horrible. Um, even on my on birthdays, I've had the most horrible birthdays all throughout my life. Even on my twelfth birthday, when I was made my own birthday money, I was made to get my little brother and his his friends buy them dinner, which was McDonald's. But I had to walk them there, so I just I, no, it was hell. It was hell, hell, hell. And the big be- biggest um, mistake I made was not leave sooner. Yeah. So when when did you actually leave your family? What age were you? Um, I stopped talking to my own dad when uh, what a week after my 18th birthday, and my my mother. I've not spoken to her for about five years. And what about your your brothers? Uh, what siblings do you no. have? I, I've got many siblings, Chris. Many um, three on my mother's side and over ten on my dad's side. Mm. But I don't. I don't contact them. I don't and to be honest. I don't want to, because I've got my family here. I've I've got uh, obviously a partner. I've got uh, well, two kids here, one on the way, and I've got one in the system that I'm living trauma because of and grief. So is my life perfect? No. Is it horrible sometimes? But you just keep going. You don't live in the past. You keep moving forward. Mm, that's 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 important. Now, I'm going to hit you with something that's hard because I know for me, in my mental health recovery, in my ongoing situation with the, some of the beliefs that I have, I've done a lot of work. I've been to a lot of therapists. <clears throat> I've been fortunate to have some amazing people in my life, coaches and whatnot. I've learned for me, one of the biggest things that allowed me to continue to move forward was finding empathy and forgiveness for my mother and the situations that she put me through for the people who are watching who might be new to the show. Um, this book right here, It's Just You and Me, Kid, is all about my story of becoming a homeless seventh grade dropout at the age of 13 with a mother who had various psychological disorders. Again, the mental and physical abuse. Unfortunately, I don't believe I was ever sexually abused. I don't have any memory of that. I don't believe so. Um, but for me, all my life it was like, why couldn't you have made different decisions? Why couldn't you have put me first? Why did you have to put the cats first? Why did you have to put your cigarettes first? Why did you have to put yourself first? Why did you have to like chase everybody away? Why did you have to get fired from every job? Why couldn't we have gotten an apartment? All these different things, all the different anger and animosity. As long as I held on to that to- toxicity, what it drove me to do is it drove me to drink. It drove me to do drugs. It drove me to find any escape from dealing with that part of my life. And for me, honestly, Adam, it wasn't until partially writing this book, but it was before this book. My mom used to tell me that I'm four years old. She would tell, she would say this. She goes, I'm four years old. I'm four years old. Sometimes she would say she was three. And I'd say, mom, you're a fucking grown up. Start acting like it. Stop being bullshit. You're yeah. fucking grown-. like, I would be like, pissed. I would yell at her. I was an adult. I'm like, you're fucking stupid. Stop doing that shit. You're pissing me off. And then it was for me, it was like, 
how am I going to be able to find empathy and forgiveness for where she was at? And somebody said something like years and years and years and years ago. I didn't make it up, but they said, Chris, hurt people will hurt people. And I still thought that was bullshit. I'm like, no, you can make a choice. You can do something different. I don't hurt people. I mean, I did when I was younger. Um, but so for me, it was like, I started putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I'm like, wow, four years old. What happened when she was four? Oh, that's right. Her parents got divorced. Okay. That was night. She was born in 1942. So four years later, that's 1946. What was going on in 1946? Well, they were at a depression, there were world wars. There was all this stuff. You know, her parents were brought up in a different generation from different people. They didn't have the capacity. They didn't have the access to, to, to parenting and mental health. And everybody thought, you know, you just beat the shit out of your kid until they did it right. And so I started yeah. putting it together and I was like, wow, if I grew up at the same time my mom did, being a female in 1942 with, with, with divorced parents at, at four years old. And her mother was psychotic. Her mother had also, I have a list of the things that she was to her, her mental diagnosis is it was like, it's like this long. Um, she was like Thorazine. She was uh, schizophrenic. She was, and I'm not, if I went through all those experiences that my mother went through, might I be like her? And it was the hardest um, thing for me to say, Adam, to go, because I wanted to say, no, I wanted to say, no, it's bullshit. I would have done this. I would have realized that other people would have, but I'm like, no, I would have been like her. If I went and got around the people that she got around and free love in the sixties and drugs and all that stuff, might I have been like her to run away from my life? Yeah. And then 1969, she gets fucking pregnant by a guy she's cheating on. He's a married man. And then poof, here I am. And all my life, all my life, Adam, I'm like, please be a mom. Please be a mom. Please be Mrs. Cunningham. Please yeah. be Mrs. Brady. Please be. And then it wasn't until the finishing of this book, three years into this book that I went, my mom never wanted me. And it wasn't a sad thing. It wasn't a sad thing. It was a great thing. I was like, all my life, I expected this fucking woman to be, you know, Mary Poppins. And she did the best she could with what she had. That's why it's called It's Chew and Me Kid. She was going to place me for adoption because she had no capacity to be a mom. She was on welfare. She was on food stamps. She was going to place me for adoption. And people ask me all the time, like, don't you wish you had a different life? How different your life do you think it would have been? I'm like, no, I'm thankful for everything I went through because it made me the man I am today because I chose to use those experiences Talk to us about that empathy and forgiveness. I know you struggle with it. You're not talking with your family. What can we do to help people process that? Because I think it's one of the biggest things that's helped me become an, an excellent parent to be, to find love in my heart for so many people and to let go of anger. Talk to us about that component, man. I'm so glad you mentioned that because obviously growing up, I didn't have an identity either uh, to the point, obviously my own mother, she's a narcissism drug addict, which I, I can admit. Uh, were like when coming on from school and it were about what quarter four, she was into a second bottle of wine. Um, and then obviously my dad, he he was just he was military background, police background. He just loved hitting people. Um, so there was a lot of aggression there to the point them two had a domestic violence relationship, and I was put on child protection by the by the system. Do I even know what I know now about the system? Do I wish I was putting care then? Yes, I do, and still do today. But I wasn't. I judged all the abuse. But to your question, all this negativity, as hard as it is, and it is hard, but it's possible. Use all the negative as stepping stones yeah. to to show who you really are, where you want to be. Because growing up, I didn't have an identity. I didn't have a freaking voice. Now I found both. And anyone tries shutting me up, it's not going to happen. No one's going to shut me up. I'm going to keep going. Hence why I've got kids. I've got. A, I've, I've started a psychology course, which I, I'm, I'm smashing. I'm just waiting on results like. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living the best life I can. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to push you a little bit. Why not, have, why, not, why not have empathy and forgiveness for your parents? Do you see that ever happening? And your brothers and sisters? And honestly, honestly, I do. Have I forgot it? No. Do I forgive them? Yes. Do I forgive myself? Yes. Because like you said, Chris, I'm thanking them. I'm thanking all the bullies as well because they've made me who I want to be today. And that is a warrior, as a trooper. And it's made me realize, yeah, I did, I did fuck up as a dad to my to my two right now. I have fucked up. Could I have fought more for my daughters in the system? Yes, I could. But none of that's my fault, except for except for keep moving and learn from your mistakes. And now this is 
my opportunity now with this son on the way to rectify all them fuck ups and now I'm gonna live every day mm. making mm. making it up to everyone around me. Yeah, that's so important, dude. I mean, that's one of the things that I've got that I've been able to help so many people with is who, the people who are parents. It's like, what example are we setting for me when my son came into the yeah. world? My goal, my mother told me never to be a parent. And I said, why? And she goes, because the cycle of abuse runs in our family. And I remember sitting on a, a next to her and I looked at her and I said, the fuck, what? I said, abuse doesn't run in a family. It's not like fucking Hodgkins and far or whatever. The, I mean, it's not, it's not like cancer. It's, 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 you made a choice. You could have gone to therapy. You could have not hit me. You yeah. could have done all these things. So I don't agree with that. I agree that no. the tendency would be there because that's the condition that I came up with. I said, but if I ever become a parent, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hit my kid and God's my no. witness. My wife and I've had the conversation about spanking. My son's six years old never laid a hand on him. We've, we've used our voice. We've used constructive feedback for him. I have never laid a hand on my kid. And I'm so proud of that because we all have the power to, to end that cycle of abuse and to help yeah. them have the best possible lives that they possibly can. So, I, I, so I, I pray for you guys to have that, that closure because once your parents are gone, they're gone. So have you, do you understand where their childhood and maybe where some of their idiosyncrasies have come from? Um, I, I think, I think it is. I think I think it was just been generations and generations of abuse after abuse after abuse, and um, and I, I, like when I when I was rock bottom, obviously I wasn't suicidal, but I was rock bottom. When I spoke to the mental health team and, and I refused to go to the like, doctors and all that because I just don't trust them, but I was told because of my upbringing, I'm a victim of domestic violence. So I'm like, right, okay. And now I'm now using that as leverage to raise that more awareness and that acceptance. Yeah, it happened to me. Let's stop that cycle together and help the next generation. Mm -hmm. That's true. There's one word in there that kind of bugs me, though. You're a victim of childhood violence. For me, when I hear that, that sounds like an excuse that allows me to stay in a spot that's not conducive to myself. I tell myself I'm a victor from all the violence and all the different things that I that I yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? Like switching some of the words that we say to ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree because it's all in the words. Like obviously, when I now hear people saying, "Oh, I'm struggling with depression, struggling with trauma, struggling with this, struggling with that," I'm like, "You're not struggling." You're experiencing it because it's all experience and you are your greatest teacher and see it as a lesson. See it as a lesson. Yes, you may be experiencing that, but how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to let it kick your ass or are you going to kick its ass? Mm -hmm. Those are two questions. That's true. And that that's a great segue for one of the questions I did want to ask you is about triggers. When I talk to people in my coaching practice and in everyday life, one of the things I ask them, like, what triggers you? And it's interesting. Sometimes people are pretty, pretty easy able to say what triggers them. But when I ask them why they're triggered, that's what they have to do the deeper work. Talk to us about what we could do to help people identify what their triggers are and, and develop a different response. Because I love that you said the word response versus react, because so many people do emotionally react. Um, I got to tell them I got to be right. I got to, you know, blah, blah, blah. I got to prove myself and how, how bad my life was. How can we get people to identify their triggers and then instead of reacting to them, respond to them? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because even like today, my, my autistic son, um, he has constant meltdowns. And he had one today as well in the supermarket, all, all because of something. I can't remember what it was. And normally, I would respond to him. And I've learned that my trauma would come out. And I was aggressive. And I admit I was. And, I, and that was my mistake. But now, I'm, I basically say to him, now, even if my daughter's having a go, my partner's having a go, I'm like, I'm not interested. I'm only interested in a conversation, not an argument. And that's when I walk away. But but when it comes to it, like my son's now realised all that kicking off he did, I'm like, okay, so what have you achieved from that? And you went, nothing. I'm like, exactly. It doesn't achieve you anything. It doesn't gain you anything. But, but it's all about, because I always see myself not just as a dad, I see it as a coach as well. I'm coaching my kids to be the best version of themselves. I'm teaching them about self-resilience, which 
I didn't even know resilience actually existed when I was 11 years old. Right. Same with mental health. I didn't know it existed either. But now now my kids have now learned about it, and I think that's absolutely brilliant because more awareness is coming. But when it comes to triggers, you just have to stay calm because every child sees their parent as that role model. Me, I see my kids as my role model. Yeah. Um, so always keep it's that fine line. It's, it's that fine line, and don't don't overstep the boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's all yeah. about trust, and you need your kids to trust you. Trust and respect you, yes, wholeheartedly. Exactly. I had some tough conversations with my son and my wife. Sometimes you, she's you're a little hard on him. Like we can't be super easy on him. Like there's the, there's the, there's exactly. definitely a balance that if I walk into his room and say your room was supposed to be cleaned up ten minutes ago, turn the iPad off and get it done. Then he's got to respect me because the next time I walk in there, if I don't do that, he's like, oh, dad's just going to be, oh, yeah, and he's going to let me go do that. They have to have boundaries and have to have rules because I think back on my life and my wife was kind of surprised. My wife is reading my book right now. She's the first person that gets to read it. She's reading it right now. I told her, do not, I said, do not tell me anything. I don't want to know anything until you're done. I gave her an opportunity. She can comment on the in the Word document. I said, don't tell me anything until you're done. But I believe that I am thankful for all the tough challenges. Like my mom, I maybe go out. We had, I had to go out and start washing cars at 10 years old. I had to start collecting cans at 11 and 12 years old. I had to start, I had to get industrious. I had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable at a very early age, doing sales at a swap meet. And I think back, I think my son right now, I'm like, should I be making him do a, a lemonade stand? He's six years old. Should I, should I really, cause I'm thankful she did that at the time. I thought it was horrible. It was a fucked up thing to do for a kid. But in retrospect, I hear so many kids now tell me like, man, my dad was such a dick about my football practice. He made me get up at five o'clock and do drills. You know, my coach made me do this, but now they're so thankful at the time they hated these people, but now they're thankful for that because of having those rules in there for you as a parent, having, you know, experience what you have, are you too easy on your kids or are you reactive on your kids? How do you find that balance with them? Um, I wouldn't say I'm an easy, definitely not easy because that's when the kids take advantage of you and they take the piss out of you. But it's all about when it comes to cleaning up, I try and get my kids to listen. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But like when it comes to uh, the cleaning up the rooms, if they don't clean up after the first attempt, I'm like, okay, then I go in again, time to clean up. And if, if they basically start shouting or kicking off and all that, I'm like, right, okay. There's the strike. And if it gets to strike three, which is pretty much easy for them to do, <laughs> that's when technology is removed. And they don't get it back until until and until it's done. Uh, but there has been a time when they've constantly protested about cleaning their room. Me and my partner literally got a black bag each, went into both bedrooms. I'm like, right, you've got 10 minutes to clean this room. Otherwise, everything that's on this floor goes in that black and never to be seen again. And then that's it. That's when that it, it, that's when it clicked. I did that too. I stuck it on the garage for a couple of weeks. And he, I said, you forgot. Exactly. About tell, me, tell me one thing. It's in that bag. He's like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, you don't even know what's in the bag because all you care about is your iPad. You got all these toys and everything else. Well, so this is what I mean because this is what I say to my kids. Kids today do not understand how to be kids. They don't because right. they're never outside. Hmm. Well, no, yeah, always busy on the Xboxes or the Switches. I'm like, come on. And I even said to my kids as well, believe it or not, when I was 11 and 10 years old, Nintendo Switches didn't exist. Google didn't exist. YouTube didn't exist. I think we did. We made up our own games. Yep. Yeah. It's That's true. what we did. Um, I love where this conversation is going. Thank you for being here, brother. I want to go back to something you said earlier. You talked about, you know, attempted suicide in 2019. Talk to us about that process of getting to that low point. And then what shot you out of that situation? Did you go seek mental health? Uh, you know, what was that? What was that process like? Talk to us about the feelings and emotions that you were going through. And I'm assuming you had kids at, the, at that point, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk, 20, talk 2019. Yeah, I had kids. Um, obviously, I didn't attempt it with the kids in the house. I wouldn't do that. But um, but obviously, it was the added, added trauma. Obviously, me and my partner, we were going through a bad patch. Um, obviously, because it is struggle raising two autistic children alone. It's really hard. 
um, and obviously not finding time together. But obviously the trauma of the upbringing, then the trauma of losing a child to the system, which it was never your fault. So all of that just piled onto me constantly. And I'm like, do I, do I die or do I not? I was questioning that. So I thought, that's it. I, I attempted it. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to disclose what it is because I don't want to trigger anyone. But um, I, I did that and I now brand that successful failure. And now I've got a purpose in life and that is to spread that message of self-belief. All about giving back. And so somebody listening to this right now, they're depressed, they're in a dark space. We're just coming out of a two-year pandemic where there was lockdowns and there was a lot of mental health situations that have arisen from that. They're sitting there going, wow, you know, you guys are so strong and you're so brave, but I just don't feel like I can do it. I just don't feel like I'm strong enough. Sometimes people own that victimness. Like they, they get around other people that are victims like, oh, you poor thing too. Yeah, we're all poor things. Oh yeah. How do we get people to break out of that psychological state of feeling like there's nothing they can do. Like I, when I was talking about at the beginning of the show, that compound interest, like just go out for a fucking walk for 10, 10 minutes a day. Then tomorrow I'll go out for 11 minutes a day, you know, drink some more water, get your sleep, make sure you're eating right. Make sure you're around the right people. What are some things that you tell people who watch and listen to your podcast and who come to you for assistance? How do we get them out of that victim mindset? Do they have to hit rock bottom in order like you did? Yeah. Or can we prevent that? <clears throat> well, I, I, I'm now saying to people, if people hit rock bottom, I say good, good, because you will not understand rock bottom until you hit rock bottom. And always remember, and I, I, I know how rock bottom feels. I've been there several times. It feels like you're literally four foot on the feet are on the ground. And you feel like you're in this dark room with the walls closing in. I get that. But always remember, there's only one way back up, and that is up because – you can't go side to side because the walls are closing. You can't go any further down because you're rock bottom. So just climb back up and there's always someone going to be there. And then back to the, the, the depression and all that. The statement's in the name. Depression, it means depressed. Self-care, self-love, which improves self-identity. And as well, if you take the letters from the word depression, it means I pressed on. It's all there. Mm -hmm. that's all it is it's all in the word it is and you said something there about self-love and one of the things i found through covid during the pandemic i gave out a bunch of coaching sessions for free just my way of giving back to help people and as i was doing these i probably did a couple hundred my way of giving it back and then about the 15th person in i heard this little whisper that said ask the person do they love themselves yes or no and I thought in my brain, I'm like, and I've learned to listen to the whisper. I've learned that's my intuition. That's my gut. Not to listen to the monkey brain as much. And I thought, that's a stupid question. Wow. That's really weird. But I said, okay. In my brain, I was like, all right. So I said, okay, Adam, I'm going to ask you a question. And it's a yes or no answer. And I won't want you to think about it very much. Do you love yourself? Yes or no? Yeah. I thought everybody was going to be like, of course I do. You know, what's a stupid question with the fear coach, blah, blah, blah. 75 to 80% of the people, dude, were like, they would stop like, yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, for the most part, I mean, there's the, yeah, yeah, no. And I was just like, oh, that's the thing. I'm always looking for like the root cause of something that's going on because if we're, and it comes back to our self identity, you talked about identity and it talks about our love. I had no love growing up. My biological father was gone. My sister left when I was nine years old. My mother was abusive. I, I had one friend. I didn't fit in anywhere. I didn't know who I was. I mean, I learned to be successful by making other people happy, learning what it is that they wanted me to do. Do they want me to be funny? Do they want me to be smart? Do they want me to bust my ass? That's how I became successful. But it wasn't until I was able to find love and empathy and forgiveness for myself. What can we help people do to switch that? I know I teach people about self-talk. I teach people about the right people that are around. What are some suggestions you have for them to, to start loving themselves and, and find that find that uh, that forgiveness to let go of the shame and the guilt? Because I think oftentimes as kids, we feel like, oh, it was my fault because I didn't do good in school. That's why I was abused. Mommy and daddy, if I would have done better, then this wouldn't have happened. Talk to us about that. Definitely um, get yourself a mental health wall. Like if it's in the bedroom, if it's around the house, whatever. But have some positive affirmations going around. Because I remember um, I was really struggling and my partner literally, I don't, I don't know how she did it, but she literally just went on laptop, found all these positive affirmations 
printed them out, stuck them to the wall, and then she called me up, which I thought, well, do I have to? So I went up, and, and there you go, they were all there. So I just started reading them. Like, I, I think I read them about 30 to 45 times a day just to get that synced in, like get that glued in. But it's all about manifesting. Manifest it, because I've, I've now learned that... Um, Obviously, from Lorraine Harris as well, because I was, I was, I think it was all brainwashed to believe there's always a light into the tunnel. No, there isn't. There's never been a light into the tunnel. Imagine we are all miners because we are both the light and the dark. Because everywhere, every direction you look in, the light's following you, and you're in complete darkness. So you're both, and and it, and believe that you are the storm as well. And storms don't last forever. Mm -hmm. It's only a temporary fix. What were some of those affirmations that you still remember to this day that really got oh. you? I, I live by quotes. And so there's a few quotes in my life that whenever I'm like in a weird spot, I can go right to it and it'll change my state. What are some of those for you? Um, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. Mm -hmm. um, if, if, you, if I can survive the war that I battle with myself, I can, uh, I can survive anything. Yeah, and it's okay not to be okay. That's it. And yeah. and there's many others. If you yeah, yeah. anything's it's possible if you believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me it's mm -hmm. for me it's if you continue to do what you've always done, you will continue to get what you've got. That's one of them. For me, it's when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Because oftentimes we have our perspective shifted right here, like oh yeah. poor me. The, it's like oh fuck, I'm grateful for the fact that I can breathe and I'm not in the hospital today. Well, I'm grateful for the fact that I have working electricity and air conditioning. Well, I'm grateful for I have food in my stomach. I, you know, whatever it is, and focusing on something that we're grateful for because so oftentimes, and you know this, we're looking at the things that we don't have. We're looking at the at the, yes. at the things that have happened to us. And I invite people all the time to think about when have when have we learned the most? When things were easier, when things were challenging. Of course, when things were challenging, we learn and grow the most when things were challenging, like you talked about rock bottom. So I tell people, if you learn the most when you were challenged, if you learn the most when you made mistakes, then go make more of them. And people look at me yeah. like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, I'm telling you to go fail your way to success. I'm telling you to take imperfect action every day. Be unstoppable, like the damn thing says. Just go out there and do that every single day and you will get stronger and you will get better. I need that response. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got I to start sending them internationally as well. I'm just lazy right now. Um, but when I, when I think about, you know, the impact that I've had in this podcast, I've done 222 episodes. I've done my, also the unfiltered experience. I've done another radio show with you doing the mental health warriors show and the podcast, which I've been honored to be on. Thank you very much. What, what patterns have you seen in your guests, you know, that have become resilient and overcome their trauma and their triggers and their mental health situations? Um, I would say they've changed because obviously we don't speak to all of them, all the guests that come on, but because uh, they've gone on doing their own things. But but I've seen change. Like there has been many times when before they come on, before I click that go live button, they're all nervous. Some of them are shaking. But then as soon as we get halfway through the podcast, they, they start to cry, which is brilliant because that shows strength. Yep. Um, and then at the end, and they're like, oh, it's like, it's calm. It's cool. It's like talking to an old friend. Yeah. And that's exactly, and you, and you would not. Mm -hmm. I've been on there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I need you back. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's, that's all it's about. It's just, it's just having a great time and bring humor to mental health. Right. Why take it serious all the time? Bring, mm -hmm. Laugh at it. Yeah, that's all right. it is. You have to, you have to, it's, 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 it's a momentary state in our life that if we choose to find it as a, as a, as a stepping stone to something greater, we can, or if we could find it as an excuse to stay stuck, then we can as well. And that's all of our choices. And I think about my journey of becoming successful and becoming, finding that inner peace. I've always been trying to find that inner peace. Alcohol for me was that drugs was that for me. It was like, Oh, I could take a pill. I could take a drink. And then all of a sudden I feel great. I feel peaceful. It's okay. But then throughout my life, in my probably my late 30s, I started really investigating. I started looking at the, the Dharma and started looking at uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer and started looking at spirituality, right. stuff I was never into. 
And I have found that there's certain things that I can do when I start my morning that can really have a dramatic impact on my, on my day. Do you personally have any particular things that you do in the morning to start your day to get that mental frame in the right spot to be looking at in, in terms of things that what's possible? And um, yeah, every day I ask myself two questions. I'm like, why are you here? And what is your purpose in life? And, right. I, and I have different, different answers each time. But but now obviously, I've, I feel like I've now manifested away from all that toxic environment, toxic past. Because I had a, a trauma session today, and it realized it made me realize that I've still got underlying trauma to deal with because I'm depending on alcohol a lot, and I practically got addicted to it. Um, I won't call myself an alcoholic, but I got addicted to it. And now today, um, like as soon as I came off, I said to my partner, I said, you know what? I was addicted to it, but now I only want to drink when it's special occasions like Christmas, Halloween, whatever. But then when we went to the supermarket today, I was looking at this alcohol while pushing the trolley, so bottles of wine, crates of beer, whatever. And I'm like, I'm saying to myself, I can picture my mum of what she's done to me in, in these beers, of how much abuse and how much she made me realize that all the emotions were bottom of that beer bottle or beer beer can and it's like it's not so this is why i've now got lemon and cucumber because that's my new favorite drink yeah so so it's like so i'm now questioning do i actually want to drink again yeah because what does it actually serve you it doesn't it's just a depressant mm-hmm I've been on that same, I've been on that same road so many years of my life. The older I get, the more I realize like it's, it's better to have that clarity. Like periodically I'll take three months off. Like, you know, I just did 75 hard. I didn't drink for 75 days. The beginning of every single year from January to my birthday, February 26, I don't drink because I had people do an intervention with me back in my early thirties and they all, oh, you're an alcoholic, you're this or that. I'm like, no. I've just found the one thing that fucking calms me down and I get a momentary respite from my brain that is ADHD on crack. And that was somewhat of an excuse because I wasn't meditating. I wasn't, I was, I was working out, but I wasn't very intentional about healing some of that stuff. And so now periodically I take those breaks and I find so much clarity and so much peace in the fact that I don't have to worry about waking up the next day feeling like shit. I don't have to wake up the next day wondering well, I don't remember the last five hours of last night. I don't have to worry about worrying my wife or my son or anybody else. I never had to worry them, but you know, you know what I'm saying? And so for me, when I wake up in the morning, my ritual is this, I wake up and before my eyes open, I say what I'm grateful for, because I believe gratitude is the cornerstone of everything. Because so many times we're focusing again, what we don't have that we continue to get more of that. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my son sleeping in the room next to me. I'm grateful for my wife being here. I'm grateful for the fact I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful for my animals in my house. I'm grateful for the person who, who made my bed because I love my bed. I'm grateful for the ceiling fan that's where I'm grateful for the opportunity today to, to, to use my words, and my actions to make this world a better place. The second thing I do is I set that intention. Like today, the intention is to be present and playful with my son. The intention today is to use my words and actions to make the world a better place. My intention is to not focus on the negativity and only focus on the positivity. My intention today is to let things go that don't serve my greater purpose. And then as I'm going through my day, if I have down spells, which I do, I'm, I'm normal. I like anybody else is I sit there and say, Chris, did you set the intention to have a pity party right now? Did you set the intention to have a lack scarcity mindset? No. Okay. What did you set the intention to do today? Be present and playful with my son. Have you played with your son today? No, go play with him. And so I shift my state and I go focus on the things that I can do. Um, that is so important. We're getting to the, to the end here. I want to ask you, you know, when we think about the future of the world and there's so much uncertainty that's going on. How do you suggest people deal with uncertainty that there's this perception that I have to be in control. If I'm in control, then I'm safe and I'm comfortable and, and everything's okay. Talk to us about being able to deal with an uncertainty. Well, the first question is why are you uncertain and what are you uncertain about? Because, because it literally, if you're uncertain about, because when you ask people that questions, it gets them thinking. It's, it triggers the subconscious mind. And nine times out of ten, they're coming out with an excuse. And I've now learned excuses are tools of the incompetent that build bridges to nothingness. Yep. So, so it's literally change your mindset. Change your mindset, change your health, change your life. If you've got negative people in, in you, 
get rid of them. They don't value you. They don't save you. Get rid of them and focus on the people that actually care about you and actually want you in their life. That's all it's about. Like I used to have my circle of trust huge and there were more negative people in there. And I thought all the abuse I come up with, uh, well, I, I experienced, was all normal behaviour. And I thought it was good. No, it wasn't. Now, I'm keeping my circle just small. And you know what? I'm loving it. I'm mm-hmm. loving it. But, but I'm seeing all the all these podcasts and the Warriors as opportunity. Because if it weren't, I know we've got all reasons about COVID, but... I send it as an opportunity because the amount of people I've connected to all across the world, and it's brilliant. So, so just keep going. Just keep going. Live, life, love. Those are three yes. words I'm saying. Live, life, love. Spoken from Adam Duvall, ladies and gentlemen. Where can uh, people get a hold of you, brother, and continue the conversation? Where can they check out your podcast and everything? I am absolutely everywhere. I'm YouTube. MH Warrior TV, uh, Instagram, MH Warrior 2020. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on TikTok, you, you name it. We're not on Twitter because I'm not allowed on Twitter. Uh, but, but yeah, but I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. And come along, have a good time. Yes, yes. Check out his show, mentalhealthwarriors.com. There's a link up here on the screen right now. We'll make sure it's in the show notes where you can connect with Adam. But again, uh, he is on Instagram at uh, warrior 2020 So yeah. M is in Mary, H is in Harry, warrior, W-A-R-R-I-O-R 2020. Check him out there on, on everything. You can go to Google and just type in Adam Duvall, Mental Health Warriors. Brother, this has been an amazing conversation. I know it's impacted millions of lives. It will impact millions of lives. We're in 14 different countries. It's continuing to grow every single day. I'm blessed to have you in my life and, and to be a friend. One of these days, we'll definitely have to hook up and meet in person over there in the UK yes. or here in the States. And I just continue to wish you all the best in your, your journey and your advocacy for making this world a better place. So I love and appreciate you. I'm going to stick you backstage here for a second. I'm going to end out the show. Don't go anywhere so we can have a little chat afterwards. But uh, thank you again for being here on the show. Cheers. 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 And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another powerful, impactful conversation from two guys just speaking the truth about our journey and our lives and what we've personally taken responsibility for. Think about that. Responsibility, responsible, response able. We all have the ability to change what it is that we're focusing on. We all have the ability to put sticky notes on our computers to remind us, am I being intentional? Am I focusing on what's most important? We have these opportunities to put these things in front of us to make sure that we're staying on track. Am I close to my goals? Do I feel like giving up? Am I almost there? There's so many different ways that you and I can continue to become stronger, but you have to want it. You have to want to let go of that victimhood. You have to want to let go of the people that are holding you back in your life and keeping you safe and comfortable because it's bullshit. You're either living or you're existing. And if you're playing the someday game, hoping, wishing, and praying that someday somebody's going to come save you, the government's going to change, your parents are going to apologize and have this epiphany that they should have been the rock star parents that you wanted them to be, you're going to be sadly mistaken. You're going to be sadly regrettable because every single day that you're blessed to be here breathing is a gift. And if you wake up and you're like, oh, today is going to suck. I have to go to this shitty job and I've got this shitty relationship and my car's fucked up and I don't have enough money in the bank and, and my body's failing and blah, 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 blah. You're going to continue that cycle of insanity until you hit bottom like we've been talking about, right? I've hit bottom a few times and I'm grateful for that. So I can't rob you of that experience. But at the same time, I've helped so many people avoid that and to be able to switch what it is that they're focusing on, switch what it is that they're intentionally doing every single day. If it's working for you and you want to be a victim for the rest of your life and you want to hope, wish, and pray that something changes, by all means, continue to do that until your time comes. Sometimes that 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 never comes. I've seen so many people worry themselves to death. Like literally, I've got three people in my life close to me who are dealing with cancer. I have one person that I'm going to interview this week. She's going to be a, she's going to be dead in a couple of months. She's got terminal, terminal cancer. She came to me and she said, Chris, I would love to be on your show and share my story. How heartbreaking is it to spend your entire life in a shitty situation only to wake up to find out that you're going to die and then not have the opportunity to be able to change what it is that you're focusing on. This toxicity in your brain, if you're continuing to focus on that, that's going to be the end result for you. 
I'm not Nostradamus, but I've seen it so many, so many times. And then can you imagine there's a book out there called the five regrets of the dying. It's right behind me. I'd reach up and get it, but I don't want to distract me. Five regrets of the dying, the, this hospice nurse, the person that sits with you while you're sick and there's no one else around. She wrote this book and said, the number one regret of the dying is that they didn't live the life they wanted to live. They lived the life they thought they were supposed to live. And they waited for something to change and nothing changed. It changes all in here. What are you going to do differently tomorrow? What can you do differently now? Who can you eliminate from your life? Like I said, the tolerations exercise is massive. Get five people in your life that are amazing. And then do these other five things, sleep, hydration, nutrition, vitamin D, and exercise. Do those things every single day. Drink half your body weight in ounces of water. You're like 80% water. If you're not drinking water, you're fucking yourself up. You're making shitty decisions. You're going to your short-term gratifications and you're on that fucking hamster wheel. You got to change. You got to get proper sleep. I have an aura ring. I track my sleep. Got to make sure you're getting proper nutrition. You got to make sure you're getting vitamin D. If you're not getting outside and getting sunshine on your face, then you need to do that. If you can't, there's no sunshine like where fucking Adam lives where there's no fucking sun in the UK. You got to take vitamin D. Just take magnesium. You want to, here's something funny. Here you go. God is my witness. Magnesium. I take that. You're short in magnesium. You know, another thing we're short on potassium. You start taking this shit on a regular basis. You start feeling a little bit better. You start feeling a little bit better. You start doing a little bit better. You start doing a little bit better. You feel better and you do better and you want better. And then it just fills yourself up and you get excited about things. Get excited about your life, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Again, it's just you and me, kid. Go there. It's just you and me, kid.com. It's just you and me, kid.com. I'll even put it up on the screen. If you'd like to see shit on the screen, please go there. Put your name in there. I'm going to give you a bunch of extras for helping me make the book a bestseller. Um, the book is going to change your life. I promise you it, it's a, it's been an amazing journey for me to write it. I'm so proud of it. And I can't wait for you guys to read it. I love you guys. We're going to be back here next week, 7 PM Pacific standard time, Tuesdays, live video cast, or you can catch the podcast, wherever podcasts are sold. You can just go on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, wherever. Just type in Ron and scripted. You can type in Christopher Rausch, R-A-U-S-C-H. You can see my other show, the unfiltered experience, which I'm very proud of. We do that Friday nights at 5 PM. Go out there, be the best you can, ladies and gentlemen. I love you guys. We'll see you here next time on the Ron and Scripted Show.